With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hawkeye Nation podcast, HawkeyeNation.com. Andrew Downs and John Miller with you once again on a Monday. John, how's it going, man? Things are okay, Andrew. Sun is shining, which that's a good thing. A lot of people were concerned that it wouldn't, though. <laughs> You're right about that. Uh, I wasn't sure the sun was going to come up on on Sunday, but it did. Uh, and with it came some uh, some rough news, which we'll get to in uh, in a few minutes. But obviously, the the talker Iowa another heartbreaking loss, twenty one to twenty against Northwestern in a game that uh, Iowa couldn't muster any offense in the second half after jumping out to a seventeen to nothing start. Uh, threw the ball fifty times. Spencer Petras had, had a rough day in his first start in Kinnick Stadium. And uh, and and a lot of questions right now about this team, John. I guess I'll, I'll start with kind of your mentality because you, maybe more than anybody I, I interact with regularly, has had a uh, a thought about this season that it's it's really kind of a not a throwaway year. I don't want to I don't want to use those words, but a developmental year, kind of a, a bonus year for for eligibility and and really a year that uh, you can kind of look forward to to next year. With that being said, zero and two wasn't how anybody wanted to start. Uh, how, how are you feeling about this team right now? Well, I, you know, I, I still have that feeling that you know. I mean, obviously, if Iowa was going to win the West and go to Indianapolis, we were all going to be excited as as we've always been whenever Iowa puts on the uniforms. And and, that, and that's the same thing. We were all excited just to see them play. But I will add that, um, though, I do believe that this season for most teams, certainly Big Ten teams, is a glorified exhibition. Iowa losing its first two games, given what transpired within the program in late May and June, it has me very concerned about the future of the program. I I said last week in my Thursday night podcast at hawkeyepodcast.com that I felt that the game against Northwestern was one of the most important for the program in three decades because of what took place this summer with a lot, you know, it ultimately cost Chris Doyle his job. And um, and we, we all know what went down. And the fact that they lost and the fact that this team's only scoring, they've only scored two touchdowns in each of their first two games, given all the offensive firepower they have, it's, it's concerning to me for the future of the program. I, I, I will not be surprised if this is the last season Kirk Ferentz is the head coach of the Iowa football program. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's certainly starting to to kind of trend that way. And I, I talked about this a little bit in my instant reaction podcast, uh, which is an idea I got from you, by the way. I always love to listen to yours. So um, I appreciate that. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm not quite ready to like go there yet. And, and maybe uh, and I, I did get a couple people on Twitter saying, well, hey, we're all we're all already here. The water's fine when, when you're ready to jump in with us uh, uh, because 
it, it does feel like it's trending that way. We talked on our Thursday night show um, here on K or on KXNO about just kind of how disastrous this can get if this is a bad season. Um, it's interesting to me that. You know, wins and losses is ultimately what what this is all about, uh, and we're, we're we seem to be learning that right now. All of the the things that happen in the summer get a lot worse if uh, if it feels like the program can't put a winning team on the field, especially with the level of talent they have. And then something like Amir Smith Marset uh, getting an OWI late Saturday night, early Sunday morning, and just kind of it it, it all just kind of rolls into this ball of where is this program headed? Uh, who has control of this program? And then as you just said, uh, are we are we going in a direction that we're not going to be able to pull out of, at least not with the current regime? You know, I, I said after Iowa's game against Purdue that Amir Smith-Marset didn't look like he had his head in the game. Um, from very early on in that game, things weren't going his way. Uh, and he's been a player in his career that I think has allowed his emotions to beat him within certain games. Uh, and it looked that way to me against Purdue. You know, he obviously had more activity uh, in the game against Northwestern. Um, gosh, what did he have? He had uh, eight targets and seven receptions, led the team in receptions uh, and receiving yards. And then they lose that game. And I don't know where he went and where he was, um, you know, consuming whatever it is he consumed to get over the legal driving limit and then driving over 70 in a 35 mile per hour uh, zone. And, and I saw somebody tweet this. We're, we're in a time and place in history where it's never been easier to not get a DUI, um, given all the options that are available for people out there. To me, it's just a, it, it's, it's a sign of a guy whose head is not in it. He's not with the program, if you will, to use that cliche. And that's a concern. This is a guy who has NFL aspirations, who's a senior. Um, He's not starting off well to make a case for NFL teams. That's for sure in a very limited amount of time. And yes, all these guys have eligibility for next year. But when you're doing things like this and your body language out there looks looks bad like it did for uh, ISM against Purdue, and then you go and you get a DUI in a time when you're really kind of supposed to be living in a bubble as well, and you're, and you're jeopardizing the safety of your community by driving like that, it's a horrible sign. Uh, it, it really is. And I'm not saying that this one thing is the reason why I think that Kirk Ferentz is at great risk of losing his team. That's what I was inferring last week when I said this was the one of the most important program games they've had in, in three decades. But I'm not saying it's not either. Uh, they're the... <laughs> You know, go go win on Saturday. This will all feel a lot better. Uh, I'm sure about that. Uh, let's look at the game a little bit. And and you know we talk about this program and Kirk Ferentz and and his son is obviously a big part of this. As the offensive coordinator in this offense is is not good right now. Uh, to throw the ball 50 times uh, in that game when you're you're up for most of the game and, and only down by one. You know I tweeted something in the third quarter. I was down by one. It felt like they were down by three scores. It never really felt like they were going to uh, find a way to uh, you know barring some big play or a miscue by Northwestern. It never really felt like I was going to come back and, and win that game, even though they were only down by one point. But to, to throw the ball more than twice as many times as you run the ball, we've talked about this several times in just the few times you and I have spoken this season about, uh, you know, we've got all these good running backs. We have this offensive line that's supposed to be very good. And uh, and to not even rely or really try to establish the running game is is head scratching. Uh, what, what does this offense need to do? What does Brian Ferentz need to do as a play caller to, to try to turn the ship around at this point? 
It's a great question. I don't know because <laughs> Brian Ferentz has forgotten more football than I'll ever know. But I continue, and I kind of went off on this in my you know post game show. Iowa continues to employ running schemes that are beyond antiquated. They continue to line up in power formations using a fullback, five offensive linemen, a tight end, sometimes two tight ends, and they continue to get stoned on third and short. They continue to invite seven, eight, sometimes nine defenders into the box, which really I look around the country and I look at other programs who fancy themselves as every year being realistically having a chance to compete for division and conference titles. And I don't see those programs trying to do what I was trying to do. And that is running a brand of, you know, we, I certainly give Nebraska fans more than my fair share of criticism for them being stuck in the past and all the 90s jokes with the starter jackets and the Jaquar Noir uh, cologne. Iowa schematically is not much different. Iowa is stuck in the past. Uh, I, this isn't even about the zone scheme, which I think Iowa, you know, is has been utilizing to its detriment. I actually think it's more about how they choose to run. Iowa could run the ball 70% of the time out of spread formations and likely be much more effective. And I would love every second of it. This isn't me saying they run too much. It's how they choose to run. They're dead on arrival with these power formations because they don't have enough blockers. They don't have more blockers than the other team has defenders. So if you've got your five offensive linemen, you've got your running back in a single back set, and you've got four receivers out, the other team's linebackers and or safeties are going to have to walk outside the tackle box with them, which is usually going to leave either three down linemen and two backers or four down linemen and one backer. And that's five on five, five offensive linemen against five defensive players. But more importantly, Andrew, it creates space for your Tyler Goodson to be able to make somebody miss. A player with Goodson's talent and ability, when he has that, because he's basically going to have to account to make one guy miss. You can't make one guy miss when your tackle box stacked with eight or nine players, or it's extremely difficult. One of the few times Iowa ran out of a spread this last week was the touchdown that Goodson had from 15 yards out on Iowa's second touchdown because there was space. He had a hole. He had space. But the way Iowa does things, they make their running game so much harder to execute on, it's not going to work. So what does Brian Ferentz have to do? I don't think there's really anything he can do unless Iowa gets a come-to-Jesus schematic change. They have those spread formation running plays in the, uh, in the system. They're just not using them enough. So until Iowa changes along those lines, they're going to continue to get the same result, and that's just not going to hunt anymore. Yeah, and, and that change is, is not coming. I mean, you and I know this, have, no. having followed this team for this long. Uh, they're, they're, that, that sort of a come-to-Jesus schematic change that you just referenced uh, is not happening under, under Kirk Ferentz. Um, and so, no, it's it, it's not, and it's disappointing. Northwestern had 273 yards. Purdue had less than 400 yards. Iowa scored two touchdowns in each of those games. 
because they make things hard on themselves. It's not just the opponent I was playing. I was also playing the opponent in the mirror, and it's it's beyond frustrating. You were pretty cool, calm, and collected when talking about Spencer Petras after the Week 1 game. Uh, not that he had a great game or a terrible game, but just that you, you felt pretty good about him if he could fix a couple of mechanics uh, and kind of get get himself uh, settled down a little bit, that, that he's going to be just fine. Uh, didn't have a great game, certainly, uh, against Northwestern. Three interceptions. Uh, you know, a lot was put on him for whatever reason. Uh, what did you What did you see out of him? Uh, how do you feel about him now after two weeks? So also, it was clear that Iowa abandoned its running game in the second half, and that was clear to Northwestern because oftentimes they'd show a five to six to seven man front before the snap, and then they would drop eight into coverage because they knew Iowa wasn't going to make them pay, and and Iowa didn't. Spencer Petrus is playing the game way too fast. I think most of the things I see that are challenging him right now are mental. He is not letting the game come to him. He's trying to do too much, which I respect. The guy, the guy wants to win. He has the physical makeup. He has all the tools. He's just got to learn to throw a change up. And typically that happens when you're too amped. He's sailing the ball a little higher, which we've seen a number of Iowa. You know, Drew Tate used to do that all the time, especially in the first and second quarters in the 2004 season, his first season at a starter. But Tate was able to collect himself. And, and, and find that mental peace, you know, and make those adjustments on the fly. As of yet, we've not seen Spencer be able to do that. And until he begins to slow down and find that, you know, find that Buddhistic calm place that you have to go to in your mind. I'm not advocating you, you know, you follow Buddha, but you just find that peace. Uh, until he can find that quiet in the storm, that most quarterbacks that are uh, are solid to really good find, he's going to struggle. And maybe that doesn't come this year. I don't know. But he looks like a guy who feels like the weight of the world is on his shoulders. And you know what? When you call him to throw 50 times in a game that you were ahead at 1.17 to nothing where you never trailed by more than one point, you are throwing that all on him. And it's unfair. It's it's It's, you know, the coaches talk about execution, lack of execution or executing well when you win or lose. The coaches are failing at executing a, a positive and conducive setup so this offense can succeed or have a better chance to succeed. So that's a fail of execution, a failure of execution on the part of the coaching staff. Defense outside of a couple of uh, of a couple of drives there in the second quarter where Northwestern it, it felt like Bowser could kind of do whatever he wanted to do. They were really kind of pounding Iowa down uh, to get those two kind of long scoring drives that that Northwestern got in the second quarter. Outside of that, the defense played well. They they kept Iowa in it in the second half. Certainly gave them ample chances to to get a win. Davion Nixon looks really really good. Chauncey Golson has been good. Uh, what do you see out of this defense right now? Uh, how do you feel about that going forward? I think they're probably, you know, this feels like a top 30-ish national defense. Um, it's not a flashy defense. It's not a, you know, it's not going to be one of the great Iowa defenses, but it's good. It's a good defense. And even some of those great Iowa defenses, one or two drives a game, the opponent might be able to score down, you know, drive down long plays, take what the Iowa defense gives you, those soft spots and score touchdowns. But, you know, 21 points is not... Um, 
you know, 21 points that Northwestern scored. That's, that's not a sin. And Northwestern had to, you know, a, a couple, a couple of turnovers there. And Iowa also had, you know, one of Iowa's touchdowns, as you know, came on a Northwestern turnover at its own six yard line. So really the Iowa offense only, what did they only put together one scoring drive and maybe a second touchdown was off of a turnover as well at an advantageous point in the field. So I, I think the defense was fine. I, I felt like they were going to have a good day when you hold the other team to 273 total yards. Yeah, they had 143 rushing yards, but they only averaged 2.4 yards per carry because they rushed the ball 60 times. But Pat, but Pat, sorry, Pat Fitzgerald <laughs> knows the identity of his team, who they are, what they are, and what they can best be. I don't feel that Iowa has a handle on that right now. Oh man, this is a depressing conversation, John. I know, I know you don't want it to be. I know you're not doing that on purpose, but ugh, this it's, this is not how it, I felt like yeah, this season it, was going to go. You know? No, and no, and there's just too many weapons on offense. Yeah. Um, maybe it's a matter of uh, hey, this is the first you know first time in a long time we've had such things. Even back in 2002, Andrew, this team in 2002 might as well be 72 relative to how much different the game of football is today than 18 years ago but even in that season with the advantages they had i think it was through 17 or through seven games some like through mid-october of that 2002 season iowa had 1900 1927 yards rushing and 1,927 yards <laughs> passing, something like that, within a couple of yards. It was exactly the same. It was it was beautiful balance. And and Brad Banks threw to more wide open wide open receivers that season than I've ever seen because teams had to sell out to stop the run. And this team right now is not finding balance. You know, we talked about it last week. 39 pass attempts to 36 rushing attempts when they ran for 195 yards. We were upset and irritated with that type of, you know, why is the ratio higher pass to run? We didn't know what was coming at us this week. I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it, it feels like some guys that are just pushing buttons and they don't know which ones are going to work, which is really surprising considering the depth of this offensive line, the experience at playmakers they have with the exception of the, the new quarterback, but it's, 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 I, I, I'm just I'm not going to blame Spencer Petras for the position that he's being put in. Looking ahead now, Michigan State game looks a little more difficult than it did before Saturday afternoon as uh, as they got a big win against Michigan. You could chalk some of that up to a, a rivalry game, but then you also have some of the intangible of a, a guy like Rocky Lombardi bringing his team into Iowa. Uh, I just saw a quote from him on Twitter earlier today. He's like, I, I circled this game the, the day I signed my commitment letter to Michigan State. Uh, obviously a, a West Des Moines kid coming back here. Um, I was a, a heavy favorite in Vegas, or at least was last I saw, and I'm not exactly sure sure why John because I don't I don't see I see Iowa has issues I, it doesn't really matter who they are playing if Iowa can't fix these issues uh, it's going to be a moot point because somebody's going to be able to score 21 points on them and if Iowa can't put up more than that they're, they're going to have trouble winning uh, how do you feel about this Michigan State game uh, as, as we sit here on a Monday well Lombardi had a really nice bounce back against Michigan. He, he throws a pretty uh, deep ball. It might not always be hitting home, but he gets enough air under it. And where I wasn't concerned about Northwestern's ability to put up a lot of points on Iowa, um, I am a little concerned about Michigan State's very talented wide receiver core being able to do that. Now, 
you know, that's also going to require Lombardi um, being more accurate than he was last week. But he's also somebody that can hurt you with his legs a little bit too. And, you know, that was a, you talk about, we talked about how Iowa needed that win to fill its emotional reservoir. Michigan State just got its emotional reservoir filled because there have been several programs or several problems surrounding that program in the last year off the field. And they got a big win for their first year head coach. And they're feeling really good right now. And I agree with you. I, I, I don't bet on games right now because I can't because it's illegal in Kansas and I'm not driving to the casino. But um, I, betting on Iowa right now seems like a fool's errand. Um, this is a team that needs a psychologist uh, more so than they need a you know, full-time strength and conditioning coach. They th- – this – if they lose this one and fall to zero and three, Illinois maybe you win that one. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It's it's not a pretty outlook. Well, this was less fun than I hoped it would be, John. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's no, it's, you're, it's you're, 2020. It's par for the course. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, honestly, if this, if this is the worst thing that happens to me this week, then. Uh, then I'm doing okay. Right, right. <laughs> I think we both agree with that. Let's let's hope this is the low point this week. Uh, John, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Uh, we'll do this every Monday, and then you'll join us Thursday for the uh, the Hawkeye Nation radio show on KXNO, and that'll be up on the podcast feed as well. Thank you, John. Sounds good, Andrew. Thank you. There you have it. Not exactly an upbeat conversation, but it's uh, the conversation that needs to be had that I'm sure all of you are having or have had over the weekend on Twitter, wherever you are. Check out HawkeyeNation.com. There's a ton of content there right now, uh, from post-game to wrestling content uh, to Spencer Petrus article to Rick Brown looking ahead uh, at what's next for Iowa football. Rob Howe has a, a bunch of stuff as well, and we will have podcasts. I'm going to talk with uh, somebody from the Detroit Free Press about Michigan State on Wednesday for the opportunity position research podcast that'll be up in your feeds as well and of course the thursday night hawkeye nation radio show joe schmelka and myself joined by john miller and joe hugan as we uh look back a little bit and then look ahead and try to find some positives in what is uh quickly becoming a rough football season but hey basketballs this month we're in november and we get basketball this month uh so if you need something to look forward to there it is thank you for listening go hawks